Stay tuned, everyone, for a phenomenal piece of nerddom called Face 4 Radio. Yes, Randall Aubrey and fucking Harrison are going to be doing a special show every Thursday night. Face 4 Radio is going to cover fantastic subjects like TV, movies, music, general nerddom, Comic-Con, and, well, hey, anything that strikes our chord that is just generally unacceptable on the big show, The Plex. Good evening, listeners, and this is Face for Radio with Randall, Harrison, and me, Sarah. Really looking forward to tonight. Just you, me, and some Star Wars. That's right. Welcome to the very first episode of Face for Radio. Yay! My name is Randall Aubrey. Thank you so much for tuning in. To my left is the one and only fucking Harrison. Hello, everybody. I've been thinking about all of you. I was restless last night just thinking about you and listening to the show and all mm. this nerdy nerd. Harrison, stop touching yourself. Sexy nerd get. <clears throat> Sorry. The sexy nerdgasm nerd that you're going to have, hopefully, from the show, listening <sighs> to our sexy, smooth stylings. And uh, to my left is a special guest on the first show of Face for Radio. Radio, 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 is the Sarah Monster. Good evening, Sarah Monster. How are you this evening? I'm doing fabulous. Yeah, are you excited to be here? So excited. So, so excited. You pumped. So, yeah, I think I think we're all pumped. Um, actually, you know what? I think it would be fun to kind of open the show here and uh, just, just preface the beginning with saying that, yes, we did all go see Star Wars again last night. I think yeah. for all of us, it's the final time that we're going to see it in the theater. Probably. Um, I think I will probably jump in a couple more times because I haven't done the 18 viewings that you have. It was 17. Seven, who, but who's, 17 but who's viewings counting yeah, that I've might seen as well have been. since I did see it uh, twice uh, the Thursday before official opening and did, then uh, once again that morning that it officially opened. Did we tell everybody that this is a nerd show? Oh, I, I think. I mean, I think they might have, have figured idea. it out by now. <laughs> but yeah, just for clarification, Face for Radio is going to be brought to you by and produced um, by the nerds, those lovely people out there who just like to geek out on silly stuff—movies, TV shows, uh, some tech, funny stuff on the web. Uh, you know, if you're a nerd, hopefully you'll find a home here. I mean, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna talk about a lot of shit. We are gonna talk about a lot it's of gonna, shit, but it's gonna be terrific. Clarification here: as our first episode, we're just going to talk about Star Wars. Okay, that's enough. Okay, good. Um... <laughs> Yes, we are here tonight to start off our show talking about everybody's favorite fucking franchise, Star Wars. Um, what do you got to say, Harrison? Oh, I was going to say, uh, it's, I don't know if it's everybody's favorite franchise, because I hear a lot of back and forth. Uh, people love, people hate. Um, but some it's people the, have never seen. It is the ultimate American sci-fi franchise, go, boldly going right. into oh, like... It's for it's it's Star Wars. Come on, they're like our they're our gods and our our epics. It's, epic it's the science fiction equivalent of Lord of the Rings. 
Yeah, basically. Like it's 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 such a. I'd even argue more so because yeah, because yeah, I mean, there's lightsabers. And... Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like <laughs> it's, mo- it's it's modern American mythology. Like yes, at, thank like, you. That's what the, I was trying like, to get the at. Apex of modern American mythology, like in every fucking sense of the word. Um, and it's and it's brilliant, and it always has been, and like there's a reason why it's such a global phenomenon, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, there's so much that uh, there's there's so much that we can we can talk about. There's so much that we need to talk about as far as as far as this movie. As everybody knows by now, um, episode seven of Star Wars: The Force Awakens debuted around the holiday season. It's December the eighteenth of twenty fifteen, to be exact. Thank you. Um, it is the it's it's shattered pretty much every box office. It has record shattered at this every point. box office record. It is now the highest grossing uh, movie domestically mm-hmm. in the United States. It holds. I believe the second highest um, gross internationally and domestically is still trailing behind Avatar as mm-hmm. the number one movie of all time at a paltry, I think, two hundred million. You think it'll make it? Uh, I think it'll come really close, but I don't think it'll make yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think it'll make mm-hmm. it. I think it's gonna. I don't think just... it'll make it. Avatar is gonna hold on to that spot, Star- yeah. but Star Wars is like so close. Right, right. It's so close, well, and, and it, it is already opened in every single international market. And China mm-hmm. was a huge boost to oh, that. Yeah, but of it's course. still the number one movie in America. Uh, it is the number Book, one yeah. movie in uh, a domestic film history. Now it it surpassed. Um, something about nine hundred million dollars, yeah, domestically, and it's grossed something around two point one billion. Stupid obscene amounts of money. If just, I didn't think it was going to be possible to add any more zeros to fucking Disney's bank account, but uh, this well, movie it's fucking always did it. possible. Considering that Disney. Paid George well, only like Lucas fifteen there or something. Like, how many more can you? Considering that George Lucas was paid, uh, I think it was four point three billion dollars for the full and complete rights to Star Wars. Seeing as how they've made half of that investment. Oh yeah, no, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. That's just and the cost of doing have business. Right. A slate of movies, one oh, yeah. a year for the next five years. That no, it's I mean, glorious. let's be honest aren't going to gross quite this much. Oh, no, of course not. What's important, though, in in that, that's actually something I wanted to get to, was um, that what they've done more than just make a ton of money is they've they've managed to revamp this global cultural phenomenon for the 21st century in a way that's got everybody so fucking excited mm-hmm. us included mm-hmm. and that's why we've picked this up epi- we picked this subject for our very first show mm-hmm. um because we're all such we're all such big big fans of this franchise right like um one thing that a lot of you guys uh probably don't know Harrison and I have known each other for a long fucking time like two decades like two decades um we met when he was like 16 and uh, through a through a good friend of ours, Brian, who actually called me today, but that's th- this Brian being the friend that introduced me to Harrison. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Harrison and I found it very quickly that we had in common is that we were both die Star hard, Wars. die hard fucking Star Wars fans. Nerd, like, nerd, 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 just nerd. so just right off the bat, it was just like fucking everything <sighs> Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it was awesome. We went and 
like we went and saw the the special edition movies in the theater together. Like me and Harrison and Brian were at each one of those, geeking out hardcore. Circa nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, seriously. I just I'll never forget we when we were watching Empire Strikes Back. And uh you and I are like sitting in the like sitting in the theater and we're just like in unison quoting, quoting the, the like film. line for line the fucking movie for the first like ten minutes until like three or four people like, like just all told us to shut, shut the, fuck the fuck up. up. <laughs> I'm not surprised that's how that ended. No, it was it was oh of course. It was it was the best. Um but yeah, and we I don't know, we we lost touch for a while, Harrison. Oh, I went traveling. Harrison moved away. I went traveling. I went on a hiatus sabbatical. Walkabout. I went on walkabout for <laughs> the majority of the uh, of the first part of this century, mm-hmm. uh, most of last decade, two thousand one to like two thousand nine. Uh, I went and I saw this great country and had a lot of fun. Got into a lot of trouble and did a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> well, that's the time to do it. Well, well hey, you know, do it in your twenties. Right. So I came back, and uh, no, I've been you doing, know it. I've been doing it all in my 30s, and that was like a really bad decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You got to do it sometime. Get it out early. Get it out late. Get it out eventually. That's better, what yeah, matters. B- better late than never. I plan to do it well into my 30s. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they say like 40 is the new 30 or whatever. Like, I don't know. David Duchovny can do it. Why can't I? True. So, uh, I'm not nearly as cool as David Duchovny. So after I was done with my walkabout, I uh, came back to this lovely, lovely place that we call home, the Bay Area. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I uh, I got involved with uh, a lot of the same circles that I used to travel in. And hey, Mr. Randall Aubrey was still out kicking around. Still alive wouldn't by the grace of fucking whatever. And uh, wouldn't you know it, he was still a giant nerd and we still have Star Wars. But we had new things to talk about because of the travesties that had befallen Ooh. the early part of the last decade called... Uh, well, episode, episode one, one The three. Phantom Menace, episode Ooh. two, Attack of the Clones, and mm. episode three, Revenge of the Sith, mm. or as I actually like to call all three of the movies, uh, episode one, Attack of the Phantom Acting Job, episode <laughs> uh, two, Attack of the Drones, and episode three, what the fuck just happened? Oh, God. Uh, no, for real. And, they... the only, and I'll say the only redemptive quality of... Well, there's no redemptive quality for that first episode. That was oh absolute shit. The yeah. second one, oh, can someone please point Hayden Christensen in the direction of an, an acting, acting coach? coach? <laughs> yes, thank you. I mean, it's not to- yeah. it's not totally his fault. Oh well, I mean, it's George like Lucas. it's it's like eighty percent his fault. But I do have to say one the one big redemptive quality in all three of those movies, the first prequels. Uh, is actually in the last, um, is in the last part of all the movies, basically with all of the lightsaber duels. Because I'm a huge, I, oh, yeah. I, I love watching fencing and all, all kinds of dueling, etc. And the first, in the Phantom Menace, that lightsaber duel is tits. That's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially like it, literally the last four minutes when Ewan McGregor sees Qui Gon die, and he goes out there and she's like, zing, 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 oh, zing, no, zing, zing, zing. It's and, those are the moment. Those are the moments in Star Wars that you fucking live for. Star Wars is great for Star Wars is oh, great on, for three on. things. Okay, go on. It's great for three things. It's great for the characters. It's great for the sword fights, and it's great for the dog fights. Everything else. Is just your standard cookie cutter hero's journey shit, and it's fine. Should be icing on the cake in regard to the originals, but um, unless it's horrendous, like in the first three movies. Well, yes, um, I'll say uh, honestly, and uh, people will probably argue with me on this, but I think easily the best duel 
is the one in episode three with with Anakin and Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. That is, in my opinion, no. the best duel. Well, it was supposed to be, and it it was. I mean, it uh, had so it, to be, and it and it went on. It was like it took up the, like the last twenty minutes of the movie, right? Right, which was great. <laughs> That's like some Errol Flynn shit. Oh right no, there. hell of no. classic. I mean, they took time, choreographed it beautifully, yeah. and it was, in my opinion, the only real saving grace. Mm-hmm. Except well, any time had... that Natalie Portman was on screen, because she could be like on screen in a dark theater wearing a plastic bag, and I would enjoy what she's doing. But that's just me. <laughs> I actually didn't get a chance to rewatch the third one. I rewatched the first one in fast forward, mm-hmm. and the second one today. And did not get to the third one, so I don't remember that one. I barely remember watching it the first time. If yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of blocked them out. Well, I gotta say, like they, they just, they were that bad. It was like I'm just gonna put those in this, in this dark corner of of my of my mind where, yeah. like, you know, my like post traumatic flashbacks belong, <laughs> because that's that's what I. Like I think about how bad those movies are, and it gives me cold sweats. Like the first time I saw the f- second movie. Or episode two, not the second movie. The episode two, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that in movies. That's embarrassing. Well, through the beauty of uh, editing, we do have a clip at the very, 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 very end, which shows every single lightsaber duel Ooh. all pieced together. Which you guys, if you guys haven't watched any of that, it's literally an hour. Yeah, to go through su- every. The cut. It's the supercut of every single time somebody brings a lightsaber out and fucks some shit up with it. It's cut, 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 cut. I literally, I found it like two or three weeks ago, and I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was searching on YouTube, and I went, "Oh, what's this?" And then I stayed up for another hour, and I watched the majority of it. That's what YouTube does to people: polishing off your lightsaber. Absolutely. Look at how look at how it glows. Well, I think this brings up a good point, though, which is the fact that episode seven, the new shit, did so much to just, if not, if not, I mean, it certainly didn't like fix the, the, the prequels, but it's done a lot to sort of redeem the franchise in the eyes of millions of people. It's a huge love letter to the public. It's JJ's like, it's JJ's like prequels apology, uh, like apology film. Well, We're I, sorry. I'd like to say more than that. Um, oh, I, absolutely, I, I, but I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know if I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd quite call it JJ's uh, apology letter. It's, I think, now that that Star Wars, the, in its entirety, the the whole universe is now in the very capable hands of Kathleen Kennedy mm-hmm. and a creative team of directors and writers and producers who knew what the fuck they're doing. And George Lucas, uh, in name, has creative consult. But they can basically go, uh, veto. Thank you, George. That was very nice of you. Right. Next, um, I think now people have a lot of faith in the series, and now they can look back at the prequels, mm-hmm. be it in uh, in 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 bad or good light, and, and right. go, okay, well, that was that was a dark time <laughs> in the Star <laughs> Wars universe. In so many Lucas ways, Lucas lost his way. He was tempted by the dark side. <laughs> he was tempted by the dark side, and now. The, well, the we've dark got side some of overexplanation. Put in cute children and silly <laughs> CGI <laughs> creatures oh, that make you want to punch the so, said I, children. I saw an interview. I, think, I saw an hold, interview hold with on. that guy that okay. was just like that was just like. Oh, Ahmad he, Best he, he, who, with, who with, a, with Ahmad Best. He's like, I don't. That's my legacy, and I'm so sorry. When, and, exactly, and like this poor guy, he's done nothing. <laughs> nothing ever said. Nothing yeah. else. Because he can never apologize enough. So I, I think people can definitely look back now and 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 find the good points 
and ignore the bad points. Right. And 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 realize that okay, this was this was this was a time period here where Star Wars was going through difficulties in the creator. Uh, became kind of drunk on his power, yeah. and and wanted to see his vision through. And like, let's not let's not put George Lucas down for his creative idea. And no, he for, was a man for, of startling ambition for his ability to go ahead and write a phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. But this is not a director. I mean, he did Star Wars, but that was a different time, and he yeah. was he was raw, he was fresh. And, and he, he had, had input from other people, and he had something new to say. Mm-hmm. And this time, too glitz, too glam, too CG. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, he had a phenomenal cast of actors who uh, their their body of work, each individually, is, is in my opinion, except for Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen, uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you know, Natalie Portman and, and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, phenomenal Neeson. actors and actresses, <gasps> Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. phenomenal actors and actresses, and he couldn't get a good job out of any of them. <laughs> so I think we have great things to look forward to. I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> there's so much about this movie that was so good. And then there's so much about this movie that was Irked not so good and kind of, yeah, like irksome. Um, and it's, and it's fine. I mean, like the, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's, it's, it was, it's, it, it was good enough, like to get, to get everybody's appetite whetted for another 20 years of Star Wars. Like you said, it was like the apology letter to the world. Sorry about episodes one through three. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to some basics and hopefully the future's looking bright. Right, right. Um, and I feel like that's probably I don't I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that's probably one of the best and the worst qualities about it. Yes, I am. I'm Absolutely. going to agree with you mm-hmm. that uh, this this harkened a little too much back to the originals and the prequels. It you know did a lot of mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of complimentary. Well, I don't know. Complimentary is not the word. It's derivative. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, they, they took bits and pieces and, and put a little twist and shined it up a little bit, changed it a little bit, and then threw it back out there. Basically, as the original was, just with some new bells and whistles, which right. kind of bothered me because I was really looking for a fresh new story, not, oh, there's a giant space weapon that can destroy worlds, and mm. we have to take it out. And it's there. I mean, that, that story is that story is there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the seeds have been planted to take this somewhere to take this somewhere much different than where the original stories of I the original stories came so. from. But Let's hope I, so. I definitely agree in the sense that this, this first, the, the episode seven is note for note. It's the same, it's, it's the same movie. It's so close in so many mm-hmm. respects. Um, there was an article in the verge that I read that said something to the effect that if it, if the script like hadn't if Lucas hadn't signed off on it basically with his like and given it his blessing and be outright plagiarism. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, close yeah, no, enough. Too. Yeah. It's close enough that you could be easily if, if, if this was not a, if this was not a star Wars movie and it was just, it was space opera 2015 Look, I have a new movie. No, like, no, no, it's, 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 it's too close. No. And let's, I mean, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Some of the, some of the point by point comparing, uh, this first one to Star Wars. We start off on a desert planet with, you know, uh, a lone character. Um, well, we don't start off immediately, but I mean, the movie well, start basically off, starts off. You start off with 
a battle between, you know, the bad guys, the good guys, and somebody's giving important information to mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. droid because they're cornered. Mm-hmm. And then the droid goes off, rolls off into the desert, mm-hmm. and finds our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then we, we continue on with, uh, you know, the, the, the desert planet and... And, you know, some lone person who's wishing that they could leave, but they can't leave. Uh, and then, you know, they, they find an escape. Um, and it just so happens that they escape off-world on the same ship that <laughs> that, uh, that Luke escapes off um, of Tatooine with. Almost which was too good a, to be true, but kind of loved twist, it. But kind of loved it. No, I did love that. That that The whole scene, oh. running through the desert, we're going to, you know, well, what about that ship? Well, that, that one's garbage. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> the garbage will do. <laughs> no, the garbage will do. I mean the the whole movie is I mean in for 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 all intents and purposes a carbon copy of a new hope I mean yeah. all the way to uh you know uh the the death of a beloved character at the end and mm-hmm. you know uh yeah, I was trying to find i I didn't put it in the docket, but there was a there was a quote um from an article that basically outlines you know something to the effect of like oh uh you know a lonely like something to the effect of like, oh, like a, you know, like a lonely hayseed on a desert planet finds a robot with secret plans that, you know, lead to that, that lead to them being taken under the wing by a mentor who then guides them along to another place, like off of their own home world to try to save the world. And then that, that person dies along the way. And then there's like a big battle and then a base gets destroyed and they save the day and hooray. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it could easily be episode four or episode seven. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, episode one, Mm um, I don't think this is this is obviously not by mistake. No, no. You know, there's 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 these recurring themes that are getting that are that are getting played into here, and um, and I think that's I think that's important. I think I don't think that's I certainly don't believe that's by accident. I don't think when well, Lucas was doing it, it was by accident. There's no way this and, is accidental. Well, especially considering the fact that there, you have a new director and you have somebody, right. You know, that's it's kind of a little worrisome for everyone to be like okay we're passing off the star wars legacy after being betrayed by george lucas we're gonna pass it off to somebody new and he has to prove he yeah. can do it there's to prove it first before he goes introducing any mm-hmm. new exciting things for us to be like all right all right we can we can go forward we can move forward we trust you with this american legacy mm-hmm. well and like one of the one of the things that was cool about the way that the way that jj was able to do that that i think that that worked really well was by taking the events of the, of the original trilogy and kind of turning them into ancient history, sort of how the prequels, you know, are this ancient history of the original episodes, right? It's like taking that same idea of, Oh, well there's a bunch of shit that happened beforehand that you just have to kind of accept at face value that it was there. And this is a really easy way to sort of revamp the series for an entire new generation of people. Mm -hmm. While also kind of dialing them into what's happened in the past by Mm -hmm. keeping it kind of fresh uh, and relevant with a new twist. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing where, where it becomes kind of problematic, right? Cause you end up with this, this experience where the new characters, um, like uh, something that I read, um, talked about the new characters being in a sense, um, like avatars for the audience sort of expressing, you know, expressing their own fandom for everything. Star Wars, like there's been this mythologizing that's happened within the mythology, right? Like as you fast forward from the, you know, from the end of the first movie and the destruction of the, the second, you know, the destruction of the second death star and it's 20 years later and somehow in 20, 
30 years 30 later, years some, later. Uh, somehow, well, it's 20, is it 20 in the timeline or is it 30 in the timeline? 30 like, years 30. It's 30 years in the actual timeline. 30 years later. Well, somehow Because Ray's supposed to be about 21. 19. Not, she's supposed to be 19. 19. and Kylo Ren is 30. I was actually just reading that today. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, I mean, it stands to reason then that Han and Leia got busy right after Jedi. What Pretty much. Kylo. That would yeah. be, I mean, you know, it's a celebration, bitches. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> and she was wearing braids and a very loose-fitting tunics. So, I know. Right? And, and, and Han was Ooh. like, did you keep the Did you keep the steel bikini? Because steel bikini. Well. I thought it was gold and shiny. I mean, I mean, she had the gauntlets, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's hotter than strangling to death a giant obese lizard person. But this, but this becomes... With your shackles. <laughs> <laughs> but this becomes one of those things that, like... I mean, J.J. sort of, JJ sort of did this with uh, Star Trek, too, with the reboot of the Star Trek franchise by sort of finding, finding some kind of loophole to expand with a new generation of characters and new also stories kind of race. while while sort of like simultaneously paying homage to and erasing the previous stories to kind of give him like a blank slate to kind of w- mm-hmm. to work from right. um which is i mean the easiest way to do because i've, I've is, noticed yeah. i've noticed a lot recently that oh well how do we change this but still keep some sort of continuity oh i know time travel or <laughs> oh shoot you well, know this Star didn't Trek, really that happen shit always works well and yeah. that shit always works they did the same thing with uh, terminator genesis or genesis or we whatever don't the we fuck. don't talk we don't talk about terminator <laughs> whatever, genesis whatever the fuck that but, shit was too meta for its own on, on a side note the 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 two sequels that were supposed to follow have been canceled Thank goodness. Canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, like what was it what was I gonna say though? Uh we were talking we were, about the 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 new characters being kind of avatars for right. the fan base, which was actually a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that. Yeah, it well felt then, like the characters were almost too good to be true. Well, this is where like you get the whole like Mary like, Sue thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that really made the original Star Wars so great is because their characters were so human. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, Han Solo shot first, right? Mm-hmm. And Luke Skywalker kind of a little bit whiny and like over at like over at oh, the like trips a, over himself a bit and turns a little dark. But after like, we watched after we finished watching episode I, seven last night. Hmm. Let her oh. finish. Sorry, sorry. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say that like the new characters are almost like too good and too mm-hmm. like uh, they lack flaws in a way. Okay. I, I want to see okay. them They're more real. human. Yeah, they're not real. They're too good. Oh uh, well, no, no, I no. The, the original characters, have... I mean, yeah. are uh, actually real. Real, yeah. The you original know, they characters have flaws. Have a, you can, yeah. you, you can see that they. Whereas, have... like, there were a couple points in the new movie where, like, like when she gets off, when Ray gets offered, you know, sixty portions for the droid, mm-hmm. and she turns it down, and she's like, "No, I can't." It just feels a little bit too easy for her to be like, "No." No, I was thinking about this. Like today, that was a actually. cheap pull on my heartstrings, right? Why don't you just show me a puppy? But you know, I love the dilemma. She's like immediately she goes for it, then stops. You know, yeah. her morality comes into play, and she realizes, well, I don't this think isn't it's even. Mine. I don't think it's even about the morality thing. I think that's like I, when I when I watch that scene, there's a there's a, there's a little bit of that going on there, but then there's also the idea that like she already knows that. BB-8's a hot commodity because he's, you know, because the droid belongs to this member of the resistance, right? And then all of a sudden, this guy's like, oh, well, here, I'll give you, I'll give you this ration for the same amount of shit that you gave me last week. But that droid's pretty cool. Here's 15 times as much for this thing. And then you just kind of see a bell go on like, 
oh, he's in on it. And well, I, I think should he probably... just wanted a droid. Mm-hmm. Well, and I oh, no, then I he think... turned around and called. No, I because... want that droid. No, yeah. oh, okay. I think he just wanted the droid. Okay. I don't think he he was privy. I mean, who really well, no, knew? Because immediately, because immediately after he's he he gets on the like radio thing or whatever, and he's like, "She's got the droid. It's here. So I want that droid." So he's in on it. Well, he's I, I, I'd, I'd, argue least heard. I'd argue that. I think he just wanted the droid. No, yeah. I. Because, because like moments later, all of a sudden there's like stormtroopers and like shit hits the fan, right? I, I, okay. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he was in on it. Now, how the circumstances under which he gets in on it, there's a lot of speculation there. I know there's already been a lot of speculation about <laughs> who that character is and who he's supposed to represent or whatever. And hmm. I don't know. I don't think that's going to amount to anything. No, I don't I think, think they it matters. Just send, I mean, when I don't know. I feel like they just sent out the general, like, hey, everybody, keep an eye out. Everybody knows that they're looking for it, mm-hmm. so. I'm, he probably just wanted to get paid. Yeah. Of course, he just wanted to get paid. That's what he did. Well, one of the that yeah. that actually makes me think about uh, made me think about something pretty interesting. That I one of the things I liked that they did uh, that JJ did with this movie is um, not over explain too much. Yeah, because that's one of the biggest things that one of the big things that really killed the prequels was the the Lucas splaining of every micro detail of why the Republic fell and how the force works and all this kind of stuff and it takes the mysticism out of it sure. and takes the the it takes the sense of as as much as it, it it works to sort of expand the sense of scale of the of the franchise it also makes it really reductive as well by kind of by getting you bogged down in too much of the details um this movie did a lot to sort of bring the the grand kind of mysticism back to to Star Wars that it was really missing uh, from those uh, from those prequels and and I, I that's something I really appreciated like um, you know the fact that they don't sort of they don't spend a lot of time like they don't ever really talk about the Republic. You know, in this in this movie, like not really at all. The Republic's no. barely even mentioned. It's all about there's the resistance and then there's the First Order, and you don't know anything about like how the First Order came about. They don't answer any of those questions in the first movie. And and while I did find that like a little frustrating, I didn't find it frustrating in the sense of like, oh, you should have told me. It's more like, oh, I can't wait till the next movie comes out so I can find out more about how they got here and who they are because they're something they're they're fundamentally they're coming from the same place as the empire but it's something fundamentally more raw Mm -hmm. and more extreme and more polarized and that's fascinating and you kind of see that with the resistance too kind of getting back to what you were saying about sarah about the thing with ray about the with the the droid and the sort of like how she has this this morality crisis about like oh the oh i need to keep him safe because he's you know because he's my he's under my care or whatever the the resistance to me definitely feels pretty goody goody. Yeah. In this in this iteration right now. Like um And then also the bad seems like a little bit comically bad. Yeah, like kind of cartoonish almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. The blatant references to Nazi Germany are kind of oh, like shallow. It, like it wasn't obvious before know, in the Empire, right? right? Like <laughs> Again, cheap shots a little bit. Cheap mm-hmm. shots. I'm gonna have to say uh above all else that was probably <sighs> Well, no, that's like the second biggest issue I had with the movie was the overt kind of 
waves to Nazism, you know. Uh, and and my second, the the biggest, the second biggest flaw I have in this movie, unfortunately, is uh, Domino Gleason's acting in this. <laughs> and I and I touched on this last night. Uh, yes. Domino Gleason, uh, such a phenomenal actor. I mean, he is really well versed. I mean, he's he's stage, he's screen. And I have seen him. I I've seen him in I think everything that he has done in the last decade. I've literally mm-hmm. seen him in everything, and I've loved just about everything that he's done. But this particular role, it seemed hammed and over the top. The speech that he's giving to the group before they fire the weapon for the first time, he's just enraged, and <laughs> I'm gonna hail fire and brimstone, and we will kill. The rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> and he's red in the face, and he's just—I mean, I mean, it, they should really alter Webster's and have his picture next to the word zealot. <laughs> it bothered me so much. He was so over the top, and he just like purposely so self-important and and aggrandizing, and it just—it took me out of the movie. Okay. It, it caused me to look back and go like see the actor and know what he was worth and what he's done and realize that that's just shit. I gotta say I'm probably the I'm probably the lone dissenter at this at this table right now in saying that I really enjoyed the portrayal of the first order as a whole and i really sort of like the idea that this is a when you take this in context that this is this is very obviously like a splinter faction of the empire after the empire was destroyed and it's 30 years later and it's grown into something pretty formidable and that kind of thing doesn't happen without a certain level of zealotry involved to sort of persevere after you've after your your entire like you know after your entire empire if you will has been disintegrated right when these with these factions that developed there were you know when you when you think about it in the context like there were probably a lot of these things in that period of time that um sort of took place right and um not all of obviously not all of them survived, but there was one that persisted and it's like, how did that go about persisting? Because it was something that was brought under once again, under the iron will of like one autocratic, you know, sort of leader, right? Which in this case is Supreme Leader Snoke as opposed to Emperor Palpatine. But Emperor Palpatine was like guiding this huge technocratic multi-system empire like they were on the top right they were the they were they were in charge and they ruled the entire galaxy and that's not something you ever really see the full scope of in any of in any of the of any of the first six movies you don't kind of see like you don't you don't see the empire for what it is which is the empire it's an empire it's hundreds of it's like potentially like hundreds of planets hundreds of systems and it's not um as the thing that's in charge, you can you, you if you extrapolate from from what was going from what was going on there, like Emperor Palpatine basically just became, like took the reins from the government in like a very political Senate, sense, yeah. and from the Senate in a very political sense. Take where, over. as far as the rest of the way things were going in the in the in the rest of the expanded universe, like things did change, but not 
as not probably not all that drastically in many respects. Like look at the way New Hope opens. You've got Luke and the on Tatooine somewhere in the Outer Rim where there's nothing happening. It's the same old shit, right? Like he has no idea what what kind of rapid drastic changes are going on in the and he in the in the in the center in the in the center of power, right? And he just sort of knows that when he's talking about in the beginning of in the in the beginning of New Hope about wanting to submit his application to like go be a Tie Fighter pilot mm-hmm. because the Empire that's just what you do. The Empire is the Empire, and you're going to go be in the military. Like it's and the First Order is not that. The First Order is something very different. It's what comes after that huge thing has collapsed under its own weight and has been destroyed by external elements and like what survives and how does it survive? And it it survives by becoming leaner, meaner and more fanatical and a little bit more true believer. Right. And that's, and that's what you get when you, and when you flash forward 30 years, like how would, how would something like the first order survive for three decades if it wasn't fucking crazy? Well, I mean, it's, it's snatching up babies now and, and brainwashing and indoctrinating them from birth. You know, and enlisting these these children and training them uh, as the you know the the infantry and the the foot soldiers mm-hmm. of the first order, and that's what I really liked about it. Is I see, I can see, well, it and all. I didn't dislike that. Yeah, I think actually what's happening here is we're talking about different things. You're talking about the story. You're talking about the basic points of the... Let me finish what I'm saying Mm -hmm. first. You're talking about the basic points of the story are the things that you really like. And I do not disagree with Mm -hmm. the idea of taking the storyline in that direction. The thing that keeps throwing me off Mm -hmm. is the inherent shallowness of the way they're saying it with the the storyline. Like the theatrics of it. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. theatrics are a little bit too cheap and cheesy to to go along with what, I I get what you're saying, where it's like you're really really extrapolating a lot from Mm -hmm. this very kind of, at times... Giallo plot. <laughs> Sorry, that yeah. sounds worse. Again, uh, no. again, I just want to say I liked the movie and I liked mm-hmm. the storyline, and I liked the characters. The sorry, I liked the characters. I liked the storyline. I liked the movie a lot. The times it took me out of the story were the times where it just felt a little too goofy and kitty and cheap mm-hmm. in the way that it was trying to explain. I mean, and I will use this as an example one of my favorite movies that came out this year was mad max Mm. one of the things that i loved about it was the fact that they didn't tell you anything about the world they just threw Mm. you into the middle of it and you had to extrapolate based on a lot of the very tiny cues they gave you Mm. they gave you a really rich things to look at and little things going on and that you could definitely get an idea of the scope and the day-to-day lives of these people Mm -hmm. Um, that you didn't get necessarily in Star Wars. And then you got it a little bit. Like, I liked the bit where she's in her house and she's, you know, preparing her meal after mm-hmm. she's just traded what she scavenged. And that even that little bit where she threw that stuff in the water and it makes bread, like, yeah. that was mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. It was just a tiny little snippet that gave mm-hmm. you a small peek into what her life is like. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. wish there was more things like that. More, it, it makes the story rich and it makes mm-hmm. it believable. Again, I like the story. I like where it's going. I wish they would give us more little things like that to give you an idea that these people are really people. You, instead of going over the top and like, Heil Hitler! Like, this is a bad guy! Like, come no, on, no, who and, is this see, guy? And, and well, I don't think why? Again, that's, uh, hold on a second, Randall. Hold on. Uh, and and I'll, I'll agree with you on, on probably all of those points that whereas the original trilogy, you get into it and it's just like you're absorbed. 
You know, yeah. you're 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 in this, and it weaves this beautiful tapestry of a story, and then the movie's over, and you're like, oh wow, that was great. Too many instances where, oh, I'm loving this. This is great. This is this is awesome. Case in point, uh, there's there's a scene between um, Han and Leia. No, that's the scene that 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 comes right after the interrogation scene. You've got the first time Kylo Ren is interrogating um, uh, Ray, and it's it's deep, oh, it's engaging, good. it's a great scene, right? Mm. And you're you're thoroughly scene. enjoying that, and you're watching the play back and forth. These two young aspiring actors who are really just putting. 120% into it watching the exchange and you can see um, Daisy Ridley's facial tics you know mm-hmm. they're moving and she's realizing oh what he's doing oh wait I have that power too and I can start fucking with him and then she's up and she's I mean like every little she's like sits for it and oh, know, there's she a just, whole dialogue does, with no words she, she does this whole exchange I love that scene for like, um, for, it's, it goes on for about 45 seconds great scene and then it cuts to, to Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford Phoning it in, phoning it the fuck in. I mean, like Harrison's just like, yeah, that was our son, and you know, we just, you know, we couldn't do anything. I he's still lighting. He's him. too far gone in the force, and no, we can never, mm. we can never get him back. You know, <laughs> it was just, you know, I mean, and like literally all of the exchange, like Harrison Ford on screen for for like the beginning part of it, his exchanges with the kids and Ray and everything like that was totally digging it. But like, I don't know if there was just zero chemistry anymore or he's like thinking back to 76 when they shot Star Wars and he was like 30 and she was 18 and he tapped the shit out of that yeah. going, oh, damn, girl, yeah. you, you, you let that shit go. I mean, it was just I was literally pained to yeah. watch it the first time and then every subsequent after I'm just like I know where to stop paying attention to the movie in the theater mm-hmm. oh these are the good parts uh, now I'm gonna stare at my phone boom here's and, and. but the first but the first movies have tons of those too oh god uh, well yeah but the, the, but going that's the, they and were shot gonna, in like 76 the- and the, the time when they were shot and I mean there but are I'm some not- scenes where yes they're phoning it in but again, these were still. I'm not gonna blame. I'm not gonna blame Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher's lack of chemistry on J.J. Abrams. No, no, no. I'm no. blaming like, on Harrison Ford and Carrie yeah, Fisher. Yeah, I mean, like those. J.J. <laughs> did what he could. He did the best he could but with like, that. Carrie, but... I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know the history of Carrie Fisher. Bipolar, schizophrenic, oh, lots of her. electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. This woman was in psych wards on and off her entire goddamn life. Dude, but so she's hilarious. She is funny. Yeah. And I do dig her, but you could tell she's definitely, she's not working with a fucking full deck. And I mean, Harrison is at the stage where, I mean, he can, he can give zero fucks. They wanted him. He says, this is how I'm going to come back to the franchise. You're going to kill me off. And oh, by the way, I'm the only guy who's going to be able to play Harrison Ford. So I'm going to give you the performance that I'm going to give you. And a lot of what he did on screen was great. I mean, the end where he's talking to Kylo. I mean, I wept the first five times when he died. Oh, my God. Okay. Like, that was great. I mean, the hand on the cheek, you know, the understanding, and and then he drops away, and then Chewbacca's screaming, like, everything that Harrison did that, and yes, of course, I'm biased, everything that Harrison did in that film was was on point, and he, he brought it to the table. But every... All three scenes with Carrie Fisher, I fucking hated. 
No, they were she, painful to watch. She was she was hard to view, and I blame that I, I blame that more on her than I do on Harrison Ford. Well, but I mean he, I mean, I mean, he okay okay this is this is going you back put to them in the, you put them in the room together and it's just you're gonna get what you're gonna get. I guess right? I guess but, that's going back to you know Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen. I mean Natalie Portman phenomenal actress. I mean I mm-hmm. don't think that there are many movies that she's done that I was kind of about, let alone oh I didn't love, but. Every time she's on screen with Hayden Christensen, he's such a shit actor that she had to like reduce her acting ability so he didn't look so bad. Yeah. That's great. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah, and, and I guess so. You know, Harrison's just like, well, I don't want to outshine you in this scene. He has to sink to So her I level. guess I'm going to slow it down a little bit and give uh, about as many fucks as you do. And maybe you'll dial it up a little bit. So mm. people blame it on me. But um, uh, by and large, my biggest issue with this movie was the interactions with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. The screen time with them is 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 uncomfortable. It's the most it painful seems, part of the movie. It seems yeah. really scripted. You know, they didn't really put a lot of uh, um, of uh, of effort and time into it, in my opinion. And and I pointed this out at the theater yesterday. When they're outside before they go to the the super weapon, the fucking Planet Doom, Death Star, Mark Star V, Killer base. Starkiller yeah. Base, they're outside and you can see the heavy glossing, the CG they did to clean them up to reduce the, the swallow oh, yeah. under their chins. Like there's a halo around their faces. Oh, yeah. And like the minute is, I saw it, I'm like, like wow, they're too shiny. Like what? Okay, you're missing some 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 crow's feet there. I mean, you can't take all of it away because fuck, he's seventy two. Oh no, I and I, she's in her late fifties. But I could have sworn twenty minutes ago you had more of a neck swaddle than you do now. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that looks that fuzziness right there. It kind of looks like they give you like like a facelift digitally, and it just it bothered me. Yeah. Really bothered me. I'm like JJ. This is thirty years after, and they were already old as fuck. Okay, Harrison Ford is old. old as fuck. It's, Don't gloss it up and make it look shiny in Hollywood. It's fine. Shit, make them look older. Well, they're already old as fuck. I mean, you ain't gotta make them look older. I mean, I don't want you know some some palsied looking geriatric saying, "Come that's, on, if they said it like that's fifty years in the future like, made them all look like fucking ancients." Well, that's, uh, yeah, there that's, you that's go. why I feel like the whole like thirty years. Like timeline thing, I feel like that's not enough. Oh no, that was you know? enough because it's been, it's been uh, twenty eight. No, wait, uh, yeah, twenty eight years since Return of the Jedi. Right. No, but I think they could have. I I think in terms of the actual like storyline timeline, I think they could have made that a little bit longer, and it probably would make. It would probably make everything that they did like that much more plausible, right? Including Maybe. things like, like if they made it fifty years. In like the if it was Maybe. like if it was like fifty years instead of thirty years, or it was even forty 50 years. years. Well, I guess they could say if, that, and and, and they all got some space like, rejuvenation or something like that. So even no, if it was oh, like only one hundred three, no, it would it would it's it would easier to make people look older. Though. Well, I mean, if you're already old. Well, that's what I mean. Like when you talk about when you when you talk about the things like making Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher look younger for the movie. Like if you flash if you flash the timeline a little bit farther forward, you don't have to do that. It makes things look a little more natural, a little more real. I think it also would make a lot of the other kind of some of the things like we were talking about earlier, like this idea of the of like the first order and why they're so fanatical. Like I think 
giving it more time would make more, more sense. time and like be, and more distance between like what happened because so much of that is predicated on like an ignorance of your like an ignorance of the truth of your own and a mythologizing of your history mm-hmm. you know and that's where like the like something like the first order why they can be allowed to get so fanatical and why that justifies the theatrics on the screen like that was kind of the like that's, the point. A, that's a bit quick to make a jump all the way to crazy yeah, fanatics. 30, 30, 30 years is a bit of a brief time to like, yeah, raise it like to, to bring about a fanatical army. At it least maybe happen. like universe wide. Right, right. It can happen, but it's a bit more of an imaginative, an imaginative stretch than if it's like 40 years or 50 years, right? Tune in Sunday nights for The Plex, hosted by producer Dave, fucking Harrison, sometimes Randall Aubrey, no longer former producer Steven, and The Peanut Gallery. If you're in the San Jose area and would like to be on The Plex, please contact us through our website, echoplexmedia.com. I think I would like to kind of sum up um, by highlighting the one thing that we really hated, which I think I already did, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then highlighting the one thing that we absolutely loved. Well, okay. Since we've now seen the reboot of the Star Wars franchise, the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. um, what I really did love about it, it definitely was a, a bit of an apology for the horror of the episodes one through three it was fun it was fast-paced it had likable fun characters that were in fact a reflection of us and like and i i liked them i did genuinely like the characters and it was action-packed and and so it was very fun and exciting and quick-paced and i liked that the um oh god i was supposed to end on the positive wasn't i it's okay uh the thing that caught me up was just it was a little bit too it was a little bit too fun and shiny and cutesy and it was uh too much humor injected yeah a little bit too much soft like nostalgia and it was mm-hmm. trying a little bit too hard to tug on my heartstrings do you have a boyfriend a cute boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you and the yeah. whole like chin thing like what are, what are you doing this for yeah no i mean in in john boyer's defense i gotta say actually i, I kind of liked that one i kind of liked him. that joke <laughs> In John Boyega's defense. What are, you, what are you doing? What is this? Or like the moment where um, when Poe like gets knocked down and, and, and Kylo is in front of him and like talking to him yeah. and he's like, am I supposed to be able to understand oh, what you're God. saying? Do I talk first? You talk like, first. Who talks first. It was yeah. so great. No, yeah. That was the first thing. And I was like, I like, I now agree with you. It was charming. Mm-hmm. It was well executed. But that's definitely but like the goofy, no. No. like no, the House of Mouse fan kid. is interjecting yeah. a little too much humor. I, I no, that's, that's JJ interjecting his wow. humor it's jj but it's also every nerd ever <clears throat> right and disney oh that's yeah what that is oh that yeah is no it's, it's all disney about. happy friendly happy go lucky happiest place on earth like let me give you sunshine directly up your anus um <laughs> has given power of the star wars franchise to a big nerdy fan mm-hmm. yeah which is fine i'm yeah. okay with that it should happen yeah. that world no longer belongs 
to Lucas, it belongs to the fans. So it's right that a fan should be in charge of overseeing the new franchise. Great. It's like having we didn't take uh, the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, but let's make it something it? The let's one of the things I think we need to try and keep as part of that this franchise and this world is that like really gritty down to earth storytelling that we got in those first original movies it's like but that's the thing like i'm you're not, not gonna get that i'm not trying Abrams, to hold but that's, okay. but that's Sorry, the thing i, got, I was we got totally distracted no, 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 i was we, no. we did and i'm, I'm not to be trying really to hold i'm not trying Sarah's to hold i'm not trying to hold jj abrams to george lucas's standards Mm-mm. like and i never was planning on doing that like walking in i was like this is jj abrams doing star wars yes. this isn't lucas doing star wars and, and anybody who's going to try to compare the two is going to come up woefully short for yeah. like a whole bunch of different reasons but we've seen what happens when you leave because it in jj his... <laughs> abrams will never be george lucas and mm-hmm. he will never be mm-hmm. steven spielberg and he will never be any of the people that he is attempting to emulate because he's not willing to fucking destroy their legacy in order to create something new somebody else he... thank goodness because we would have been furious yeah uh, maybe, maybe not with Star Wars. I mean, maybe if with he this... destroyed it, oh, we'd fucking slaughter oh, I mean, him. With this, with this first one, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had to roll the dice, like, and 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 play it kind of safe, right? And that's okay, and that's fine. Now, going forward, we oh, can make yeah. some. We can make some pretty big gambles now. So, so the next one's really going to be when he gets well, tested. Well, no, no, JJ's not doing the next one. <gasps> if Ryan Johnson oh, is right. doing the next one, who who's directed Brick and Looper and who is invested Ooh. in sci-fi, he's also writing the script for the next one with Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the script for this and Empire Strikes Back. Ryan oh. Johnson is going to take this on a much darker mm-hmm. path. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. I am oh, yeah. really happy about Ryan Johnson is phenomenally good. Oh, shit's about to hit the fan. No, dude. no, shit's gonna get really good and really dark, and we're gonna awesome. we're gonna okay, walk cool. out of that theater fucking crying. But and cackling maniacally. Yes, or cackling <laughs> maniacally for all of the the deviants in us who go like, yes, they didn't add and on a oh happy my god, note. and did you see? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, so, that's, um, what's your favorite? Me. My favorite, um. I, th- I thought I have okay uh, my favorite was just like the fact sorry my favorite was just the fact that it was action-packed and fun and all the characters were life global it was it was a fun experience okay. I didn't fall asleep so that was good yeah um well, so yeah. so overall um, it was it was just the energy of the movie was great okay it was fun it was likable it was an enjoyable experience for a Star Wars fi- fan like mm-hmm. thank you and and, and you glad. feel satisfied I do by and large I do okay I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's Bring there's it. a lot I'm going to tell you about here. Uh, but Ooh. Randall, what did you dislike about this movie? Give me the big whammy that just really you didn't dig about this movie. I think the thing that I disliked the most about it is also the thing that I liked the most about it. Works. Which is that Star Wars Episode Seven feels like a cartoon. It's like watching the fucking Clone Wars cartoon. Okay. It's like watching the new like Star Wars what uh, was it Rebels I think it's called, right? The new cart the new show. I don't watch any of the animated. It's it's They're quite cute actually. Yeah, no, they're, they're fun. Fun. some but they're, no, yeah. they're they're cute. They're, they're kitty. Great, they're but cute. this they're is for kids. But but they're fun. <laughs> but this is taking that like this whole movie is sort of taking that idea and applying it to an actual to like actual celluloid to a real film, right? Okay. It's hyper stylized. It's 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 playing on it's playing on nostalgia to incredible effect to sort of scrub away so much of what happened before and and create something new 
try to create something out of whole cloth that that already existed right and i there's there's so you know i mean there's so much about that that i that i totally appreciate and there's so much of that that i like dislike you know and it has to do with it it centers very much around like sort of the characters and the and the two kind of main factions like the fact that the the fact that like the first order and the resistance are so polarized in in the way that they're portrayed like the first the first order is cartoonishly evil and the resistance is like cartoonishly good everybody you know all the you know like all the main characters are just so they just give you the warm fuzzies like every time they come on screen and every time the villains come on screen you just want to like boo boo you know and it's like that that is so it's played up in this where in the like in especially like in the you know in like in four five and six the original movies it's just it's 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 not insistent that you feel this way. It just sort of does what it needs I don't know, to do. Darth and you're Vader's sort... kind of the evilest evil. Yeah, yeah, but not yeah. in this. But but not in this way that Kylo is. That is where it's Trump. Where it's where it's trumped up into into like something that's hyper stylized, right? Like this is the thing that you guys are saying. Like with the first order, that you like it's it's so it's so overly theatrical and it's so trumped up and like I love that and I hate that at the same time because yeah I think it does kind of take away from that sort of gritty realistic effect but we already got that from six movies and I don't need that for the next three like now I want to see especially like bringing it forward into the modern times and like trying to like bring a new generation of viewers in like as much as this movie is for us it's not for us it's for people who have come after us who want to see who want to see star who want to see the original star wars through fresh eyes like and that's what they're and and that's what was done here and i think that's great and i think it's awful at the same time okay um well in regard to my big whammy that i really hated obviously i already touched on that with with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher um and I I know that when I get a copy of this movie, the first the first probably two or three months that I have it, I will fast forward through those scenes. I will just skip right by, um, as if I'm already not doing that when I see it in the theater and just kind of tuning out while they're on screen. Um, my favorite part, and anybody who knows me knows that I love the ladies, so my favorite part has to do with Ray more specifically. What they did, Disney, what Disney did with marketing. Okay, all of the trailers, all of the talk, all of the lead up into this movie, even to the, the final trailer, you see Kylo and you see Finn fighting in the forest. He's got the lightsaber. Finn has the lightsaber. It's all about Finn. Everybody's going like, oh, okay, so cool. The next Jedi is going to be, it's going to be a guy, but he's colored. But fucking wait. No, big whammy. It's, it's a, girl. a girl. Oh, dude. It's a girl. Yeah. Okay. The uh, like the beginning of the movie when Finn is reluctant and he doesn't want to shoot all those people. I'm like, I'm already had it set in my head that he was the new Jedi, and so his reluctance and everything like that. He's like, okay, so he's now he's having a crisis and he doesn't want to do this. And then uh, after after Poe's taken away and they're boarding the ship and the laser blast hits, Kylo Ren stops. And I'm like, oh, 
he's sensing the force. He's sensing this guy, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit back and forth. I'm like, oh, okay, but nope, sorry. Then they they hit you with the lightsaber scene with Ray. Uh, you know, getting visions of different things, and you hear Yoda. You know, uh, in the in the the very famous line, you know, "Do or do not, there is no try." And I don't know if you caught that, but I only finally caught it this last time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlapping dialogue. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi says her name. Uh, Obi Wan says her name, which I'm going to lead in with something later, something big, a big Ooh. whammy, a prediction that I have. But like there, you're like, oh, oh. Wait, she's the one with force powers. And then it's just clear she's being tortured uh, or interrogated. And, oh, she's got force powers. And then she lets the stormtrooper, has the stormtrooper let her out, which, by the way, if everybody doesn't know, which I'm sure everybody knows, that was James Bond in the stormtrooper outfit. That Daniel was Craig. Daniel Craig. No, that, that was Daniel Craig in the stormtrooper outfit for that scene. So, and um, I'm dropping my gun. But um, honestly, uh, that culminates into my favorite scene. They're fighting. Ray and Finn are fighting and the lightsaber gets knocked out and mm-hmm. Kylo reaches for the lightsaber and it whizzes by him and then that the the sweep the John Williams score the yep. the piece of Star Wars music that everybody knows the Jedi it, theme. and she's got boom she grabs the lightsaber and she's just reluctantly she looks at it and she's, oh dude I know she's, right she's she's scared and Battle but stamps. then she's like no, you're talking oh, about it right now, and I'm getting chills. Like, like, I, no. like, no joke. Did you? I mean, you guys. I know you guys saw me last night. Seventeenth time I watched it, and was I not sitting on the edge of my seat with my no. hands going? <laughs> no, I'll tell you right. I'll, I'll tell you right now. When that when that shit fucking happened the first like the first time I saw it. Oh, I screamed. Oh no no no! When the when the screamed. when the fucking when the lightsaber flies into her hand, I I seriously was just like yeah. Yeah, no, that was me. That was me. I was like, oh, it was just, oh, oh yes. That, yeah, that was the best. Like, oh, fucking perfect. Perfect. That's exactly like the way it's like the way it's all built up. It's that's what you really want to be, but you're like not sure. And then when it happens, and that's such a fucking Disney moment. So, but, but, and so Disney. It's such a Disney moment, Disney and did, I don't care. Disney did such a great job of misdirection mm-hmm. in marketing because I didn't see oh, yeah. it coming. Not until I was engrossed in the film mm-hmm. and picking it apart and then watching the scenes with her and then hating some other scenes and then the end of the movie and the scene where she's on the cliff. And he's like, you need a teacher. I can teach you the ways of the force. And like, again, I mean, she's beautiful. The slow scene and she starts breathing. She slows down. You can almost... Mm-hmm feel the force flowing through you into the goddamn screen as she finally tunes I, in. She's like, oh, I got this. Can I, can I burst your bubble a little oh, bit yeah, here whatever. for a second? Because I thought, I, I actually thought, if we want to talk about like note for note, I thought that was one of the most contrived things in the entire film. Whatever, I loved it. I really I did. I felt it. like I felt like oh, she's she's about to get knocked off a cliff, and we're gonna take this really long pause while she finds her force chi to be able to like <laughs> blend him back, and we're gonna spend a good like twenty seconds on that, where we're just gonna linger on her face while she's oh, great. I'm I like, loved it. I'm while like, she's glistening. I'm while she's no, glistening and glowing, it. and I'm like, you could have done that. You could have done that in about six seconds and gotten the same effect. But once you got past it, but once you got past it, it's like rodeo time. It's like eight seconds. That's what you got. Oh no, no. I, I After loved that, it. I'm just like, okay, I get it. She found the force. Can we get back to the sword fight, please? No, <laughs> I dug it honestly, because uh, well, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's beautiful, in my opinion. Uh, but I have a, such a deep-seated lust for British women, it's just not even funny. 
So, um, you know, that just stands to reason. And actually, you know, it's funny, too, is um, uh, on a little side note about her, because, of course, I've done my research. Um, she actually had to slow her cockney down really, like, quite a bit, her accent. Because watch some interviews with her, and you can't understand half the shit she says. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is just even sexier, because I'm just like, is this a foreign language? I don't care. It sounds British. I'll, I'll roll with it. Like, Miss Ridley, will you read to me? Oh, yeah. So, um, my favorite part, hands down. I mean, Disney did such a fucking superb job of leading us to believe that it was going to be somebody else. They are such masterful marketers and and have have elevated the ability of of the elevated using marketing to tell a story to mm-hmm. a fucking art form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way they were able to do that with this movie is why it's the biggest selling movie in America. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just it's it's not just that it's a Star Wars movie, it's that the way that fucking Disney dealt this out like over the last couple of years is legendary. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this was so, br- nobody fucking saw it coming. Nobody saw the fact that Ray was going to be the Jedi fucking no. coming until they like no. walked into the theater. And now there are so many girls who are engrossed in star Wars. Oh, yeah. Now there's so many young girls going, a girl Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I they're saw, they're just eating it up. Well, I saw a little, a little five year old blonde girl the other day with her hair done, the like little knots. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And, and oh, see, I saw that. They've started a trend too because it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And and I, uh, you know, you've created a character here who's, you know, doesn't need a man, doesn't need saving. She's Stop she's a ball buster. Hand. She's a ball buster. You know, she does for herself. She's very strong willed mm-hmm. and intelligent and. Um, uh, very industrious in you know creating a life for herself and taking care of herself. She doesn't need anybody. So this is a great kind of archetype for for mm-hmm. girls to 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 use as a blueprint to work. Well, what around. I what I love about that too is that's very much a direct reflection of everything that's been going on in the extended universe and the old canon and stuff for oh, like God. years and years and years. God. You've had so many amazing female I Jedi mean, characters. Jade. Like yeah, Mar Jade's Huge. a perfect example. Arguably the most popular character outside of the movies yeah, yeah, in, in the in, literature. In the books. Oh yeah. Um and you've had you've had so many wonderful, powerful, diverse female Jedi, but you've never had one on screen. No. And when you you know, once that once once you see that happen, you're it's like it makes it it it, it not just makes sense, but it feels good. To like have that section of the fandom be be acknowledged for so many reasons mm-hmm. because it's such a huge facet of the books and it it makes by having the first by having the first you know Jedi and then like the first like new Jedi in the new movies be female sort of rounds out the world in a way that hadn't been done yet. And I think that's I, I thought that I think that's a fucking brilliant move mm-hmm. because this now because so much about one of the biggest problems that for me that I've always had trouble dealing with with Star Wars over the years is just how sort of like especially from a cinematic standpoint is how closed off so much of it of it feels like because it's such a because it's modeled after this classic kind of like, you know, TV serial space opera kind of mm-hmm. a thing. It's all focusing around its timeline of like this specific group of characters, this specific set of people and like dealing with their stories like over and over again. And it makes the world feel small. 
And because there's only like because all the, only like five major players, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. And like only one of them is like only like only one of them really is a Jedi. Right. Yeah. And it's a dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so by inco- when you incorporate the brand new characters, it's like if you have the next Jedi, like be another dude, even if it's a black dude, which is like a great which would be an awesome step in its own right with Star Wars. That's like not enough. I think to really like kind of broaden the universe truly for like a whole new generation and by making it by, by making the new, the new Jedi a girl, it sort of fully realizes the, the homage to so much of the expanded universe in a way that's much more, I think it's a lot more satisfying for the viewing public. Are you inundated by cats and you don't know what to do? It's Chris Christie, a household name, and you are wondering which fold he's actually talking out of? Well, why don't you call us here at The Plex, 1-408-457-1757, and tell us exactly what you think. Once again, that's 408-457-1757, The Plex. The Plex would like to give a shout-out to Soapbox Media. Soapbox Media is Randall Aubrey's news and opinion website. Also coming soon is Soapbox Radio, which will be produced right here at the Plex. To check out Soapbox, visit getuponit.org and get up on it. I do actually want to say one more thing about one of the reasons I loved that scene where she's being like interrogated. To- interrogated. Yeah, please. Um So I love that scene because, like, you've seen Kylo a couple of times and he's definitely a petulant little child. Yes, yes. And she's denied her, she just wants to go home and wait for whoever the heck she's waiting for. And um, But I liked that scene because I got the same feeling from it. And I don't know if either of you picked up on this at all or if it's just, like, a girl thing. But it's incredibly, like... He's forcing herself himself, mm-hmm. himself on her. Mm-hmm. He's forcing himself it's a psychological on her. rape. Yes, yeah. psychological rape. And it's it oh, was yeah. so blatant. And he's just forcing himself in on her and she's tied up and she's helpless, but she's not helpless. And that's mm-hmm. what I really liked about it cuz she is a strong character. And they mm-hmm. always tell girls, "Hey, if somebody's trying to force you, don't just fucking lay there and take it. The worst thing you can do as a girl." You have to fight back. You always have to fight back. Mm-hmm. You ha- and she does. And she kicks his ass because yeah. she won't be a victim. She just like stares at him and then she sees through his charade and his big tough front to see that the reason he's doing this to her, the reason he's trying to violate her this way is because inside he's a scared, sad little boy. Mm-hmm. And I loved that moment. I mm-hmm. loved it, which and that's why I wanted to bring it up because when you were you were on a roll when you were talking about it earlier, so I didn't want to break up with you. But I was like, I want to go back and I want to go back to this scene because it was one of the big like. It's definitely it one of the best scenes in the movie. Yes, mm. there were times in the movie when it did feel a little shallow to me. That was not one of them. That was yeah. a moment where I was like, "That's right, fucking throw it back in his face." Mm-hmm. I loved that scene. This is this is why we need a lady on the show mm-hmm. to have that perspective. Now, uh, my my first thoughts on Kylo, the first two or three times seeing the movie, I there's a certain illusion, you know, once he had the helmet on. You know, you, you, he's introduced to the character. You've got the helmet on. He's got the voice, you know, uh, over. And 
I was kind of intimidated, you know, you get kind of, uh, it harkens back to Darth Vader, you mm-hmm. know, when you first meet him and, you know, I mean, you, you, he never took the helmet off. So it was always that visage, that mm-hmm. mask, that, that was Vader's face. And it's not until the final chapter in Jedi that, you know, you actually see who's underneath and it's some, you know, sad, some old, sickly. sad, scarred man. You know, uh, I think the, the reveal of, of Kylo um, happened a little too early, um, you know, through the whole interrogation scene, though I loved it. They, I think they could have left the mask on all the way until the end, uh, where Han and he are on the uh, on the walkway, and he finally reveals his true self, and maybe, maybe but that's just that's my opinion. Um, but I kind of liked. Oh, well, no, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say I kind of liked the fact that it's like they're in that room and she's trying to, you know. Oh, he's so scary in your mask or something, and mm-hmm. well, no, and it worked. Me. And yeah, no, I liked it. I liked the reveal at that point because he's even, impetuous. Well, yeah, and, and, and he's impetuous. And real quick, there it puts like she's got this angry face on, looking at him like he is a monster, like he is mm-hmm. just the mask. Then he takes the mask off, off mask off, and you can see her soften for a second, mm-hmm. like oh god. You look like you know, a person. That's you, weird. You look kind of good. It's harder to it's harder to see him as a monster and an inhuman thing mm-hmm. once he's got the mask off. But he's still he's still gonna torture her. Well, see, and that's like, that's what really. Oh, it's just more. I love that. I theme. think that's what really I was I wrestled with. Mm-hmm. Now I'm okay with is that I didn't find him intimidating enough. I didn't. No. I wasn't. I wasn't scared of him. No, I you wasn't know, either. He didn't. I mean, initially I was kind of like, okay. Or, and I could see this guy like kind of freaking me out. Like I wouldn't want to run into him in a back alley. I certainly wouldn't want to get on his bad side. You know, especially if he's going through fits of rage where he's tearing up consoles. I mean, the minute he's pissed off, out comes that lightsaber and he's cutting and slicing everything around him. And that honestly, it really had to kind of grow on me to understand that yes, he is indeed this impetuous mm-hmm. child who he is, is not Darth Darth Vader. He's not no. a fully grown and con- right. he's not in control of his faculties no. and None his temperament. None of that was on accident. There, there I mean, is a serious dichotomy going on with him right now, and he's definitely struggling between yeah. the duality of his light and dark sides. And you know, when he lets the dark get away with him, you know, he he really runs with it, and he mm-hmm. becomes this child. You know, who's scraped his knee, you know, and is just caterwauling all over the place, screaming he's, and yelling. He's, he's difficult to understand without repeat viewing. Yeah. Well, no. Like, like I said. once you once you see it a couple of times and you can kind of see how everything mm-hmm. goes, it's like that scene where that 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 pivotal scene where he's got Ray and the torture chamber suddenly makes so much more mm-hmm. sense when you've seen it a couple of times and you see like as someone who was so desperate to prove himself worthy of his successors or of his predecessors, like that he is willing to sort of throw aside the like fearsome convention and challenge this, like this upstart girl that he doesn't think anything of and, and doesn't take seriously. Cause he's like, Oh, I can handle her and I don't need the mask to do that because I'm such a badass, Right. And that makes him all the more human and all the more compelling as a character mm-hmm. as a result. Shall we move on to to uh, to the bromance? To the bromance. The bromance. <laughs> I I there was something I loved this. The, the, the all of the exchanges between them. There's there's a great little meme, um, showing how it should have gone between Poe and uh, and Finn. When when they meet on the tarmac again for the you know after oh you're not dead he's like I, hey you've got my jacket um, Oscar Isaac who plays Poe Dameron he does this bit with his lip 
and then he goes oh, on yeah. to say something, <laughs> and they slowed it way oh, down. Oh boy! So he's like, "Hey, you've got my jacket." Bound chicka wow Yeah, he's you like, left it at my hilarious. place. Hilarious! Just like this awesome bromance between the two of them, and I do have to highlight ethnicity here, and how Star Wars is really. Uh, diversifying because obviously are you getting excited to see big black cock oh well mm-hmm. <laughs> duh. i mean john boyega is pretty fine i'm okay. just saying okay. that's that's a that's 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 a proper well-built man right there okay i love him okay he's okay. so wonderful well and and if anybody hasn't seen attack the block go watch that fucking movie that is fantastic that's I have the not first seen this. it's it's mm. it's british film but it's the first um it's the first taste uh that america got of john boyega Whereas Oscar Isaac, he's been in cinema now in America for a good 10 years. But getting back to my point, John Boyega, African-American, and uh, Oscar Isaac, he's uh, he's Spanish and Cuban. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's... That uh, makes sense. He's American. But, definitely American, but I mean, you but know, he's—I he's, mean, he's—you know—he's that kind of gold bronze. But he's so fine. He is such a <laughs> handsome great guy, hair. right? Great so, hair. Disney is doing this beautiful thing of really uh, genderifying the cast and diversifying it, and and getting the three main cast members. You know, there's a black man, there's uh, you know, a uh, uh, Latino Cuban man, and then we've we've got a girl, and a girl, and a girl. So, and then there's Adam Driver, and then there's Adam Driver, <laughs> who's like the quintessential, you know, corn-fed America, you know, and uh, he's Iowan the whiny race. bitch, and yeah, right. and he's yeah, and he's excuse me, yeah, that's right, the four of them there. So, um, no, I, I they're 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 the, the whole bit with them in the Tie Fighter. It's like, did you see that shot? Yeah. Did you? I mean, like total bromance yeah. manifesting just before our eyes. So much fun to watch their their chemistry. I'm really looking forward to um, what uh, Ryan Johnson is going to do with their character specifically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I love them again. I mean, I've been watching Oscar Isaac uh, for 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 years. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the best roles he's done in the last few years was in Ex Machina. Oh, God. Okay, he's which so good also in that. had Domino Gleason in it, mm-hmm. and they were both so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're both so phenomenal in that movie. And Oscar Isaac, I mean, he he he's his his acting. I mean, it's this. Great oh, I thought pendulum. he was legit crazy. No, no, he, <laughs> he is so diverse, and he can play crazy. He can play intimidating. He can play nice. He can play skeezy. I mean, he is such a diverse actor, and he's a proper proper uh, method actor. I mean, he really gets into his roles, and he he is that person. Yeah. So I'm um, John Boyega. I haven't seen nearly as much. I've seen him in Attack the Block, but I do mean to research their individual catalogs quite a bit more so that I can become well versed and extra nerdy. I just feel that out of all of the people who are out of all the new characters who are in Star Wars, I've I've seen a lot of clips of John Boyega sort of being around, and I feel like he is he is just so excited. He's just so excited to be in Star Wars, and he's just all about it. Wouldn't and you be? Every oh fucking a, of course I would be. But it's just everything that you, I don't know. He just, that guy has just such incredibly like wonderful, like infectious, like feel good energy. Every like interview I see with that guy, he just seems like he's so genuine, and he's he's a great actor, and he's just like really stoked to be doing what he's doing, and he's just like he's like. I'm in fucking Star Wars, no. you guys. This is the best job in the world. So he did an interview on Graham Norton. I don't know if you guys know who Graham Norton is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Graham Norton. So he did this interview on Graham Norton. He was actually sitting there with Daisy. 
and uh, he's talking about how he he got the official go ahead. Uh, you know, boom, you've got the role. Um, Graham had asked who who the first person was that he told, and he goes, "Well, you know, I came out of the I came out of the cast session. I was officially I was given the role, and I stepped outside the building and I, I hailed a cabbie." And the first person I told was the cabin. He goes, listen, mate, you know, I just got into Star Wars. And the guy goes, hey, good on you. You know, and it was just like, he said, no, mate, I just got into Star Wars. And he goes, yeah, well, good on you. He's like, so the first person John Boyega told was a cabbie. The yeah. first person he would find. Which is Somebody, fantastic. I, I mean, he was, he was so just like enthused and so exuberant. And like, oh my God, I've just been cast in Star Wars. And the cabbie's like, yeah, all right, fuck all right. off. Yeah, yeah. That's great line. Good for you, mate. Sure you did. No, really. Really? Uh, you, you, you boys have fun. No, yeah. I'm I, I, I'm looking forward, I mean, to, to seeing what they're all going to be doing. Again, Oscar Isaac is, is he is already so solid in, in, in his tenure as, as an actor. Uh, you know, his body of work is, is, is phenomenal. So I know he's going and doing great things. I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, and same with Adam Driver, though. He's not been around half as long as Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver's body of work already is pretty substantial and varied. Um, I'm looking he shows forward. an incredible amount of promise. No, he has an excellent aptitude and natural um, talent for acting. All of them do. What I'm really looking forward to, though, is seeing John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and what they're going to be doing post um, this first film, which I mean, we're not going to see anything from either of them anytime soon because they're pre-production yeah. is currently. Oh yeah, they're all yeah. they're they're like, knee deep in fucking Star Wars right yeah. now. Apparently, post uh, or uh, uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Principal photography actually starts here in the end of February mm-hmm. at uh, at uh, at Leeds when Leedsworth, whatever the the main uh, um um the, basically the Hollywood in London. Uh, Leedsworth uh, Studios. I, I'm mispronouncing it. I know I am. Um, yeah, no. The the production for the next film is 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 already well begun. Apparently, um, when Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill were on the island, Skellig Michael, mm-hmm. it, which is the island in Ireland that you see them on, um, apparently shooting didn't stop with those few scenes. Of course not. Apparently course not. they went yeah. through no, and they shooting good. a lot of things that's already. How that, well, that's how that shit goes. That would have been yeah. a way, if nothing else, it's like, well, we've already got the helicopter set up. We yeah. might as well just like, <laughs> oh, that shit was all on schedule. Lunch, yeah. like. <laughs> no, all right. So JJ's like, uh, Ryan, tag. No, I mean, that was like, there's a whole, there's a, that, that's, that's a whole scene that they filmed. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just give you like the, the first, first, a little blur, the yeah. first like 30 seconds. And then I don't know how they're going to start the second movie, but like, I mean, are they just going to like, are they just going to pick it up? Is it just going to be jump cut? Like right where they left you know, off. So predictions, you don't really have anything. Well, yeah. See, that's it. I I don't know how I feel about the circle theory or whatever. Um, but I mean, it, it went so close to the original movie storyline wise. I mean, right. I'm not sure where it's going yet. And I don't want to make any big predictions because okay. if you're going to base it off of well, based on what they did before, like I hope they don't just give me the easy answer. I hope that they totally shock the crap out of me. Because if it's what I expect to happen, if it's the easy answer, I'm going to be really fucking disappointed. I'm going to second that. Honestly, if if we open on an ice planet in the next movie, I'm going to be really annoyed. I'm going to be really, really annoyed. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll do it. 
I, no. I, I better not. I, I don't. Um, I, I think they're, I think they're smarter than that. I, I'd like to think that they are. I, I, Ryan Johnson. That's like too derivative. His pedigree yeah. is, is, is well versed in sci-fi, and I trust him and Lawrence Kasdan Refresh to come memory. up with something fresh. How did episode two open up? Episode two. Oh. Trying to think. Uh, oh, okay. Because that's like my least favorite of the lot. Um, episode two. So sad. I totally watched it today. Two, no, that's how memorable that is. Because I don't really two. remember how it opened. I like we uh, don't talk about this movie. <laughs> didn't it open up with them looking for a bounty hunter? And uh, in no, no, no. She like uh, okay. It's Princess Amidala showing up to vote at the Senate to see whether or not they should give the Republic uh, leave to to form an army. Oh, that's what it talking, was. Yeah, because it, so it was like all her about showing the up clone army. and her little ship landing. Her oh, and then it blew the up on the platform, yeah. and then it was supposed to kill yeah. her, but it was but a decoy. Yeah, she's one of the okay, guards. Okay, that's how yeah. the movie started. That's how right. it starts. This this Star Wars ring theory thing really fascinates me in terms of like extrapolating what we might be able to expect coming mm-hmm. moving forward with these movies, and mm-hmm. like I think we can expect another six movies, not another three. Now I'm going to agree with you on that as, as well. far as the epi- as far as like the episodes are concerned. I mean, we were talking a little bit mm-hmm. about this too. And what what so so that being said, and kind of following the conventions of the of the first six movies, like what can we expect? And I think it just occurred to me to think about this a minute ago. I think what we might be able to expect from it, if they do six movies is that we are going to see the rise and fall and redemption of Ray. Like we are going to see you think her. She'll go bad? I think she might go bad Whoa. if they do six movies, because this is going to mirror what happened. If you to look Luke. at, no yeah. to Anakin. Oh, to Anakin. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. As far as like, if you if you, the ring the ring composition the ring composition structure is basically like you have a series of chapters that lead up to a midpoint, and then you have another series that are essentially a reflection of that midpoint in reverse. Mm. So this is where you get. So you have these two. You have these two kind of smaller. You know, these two kind of smaller stories, which is episodes one through three and episodes one through six, which tell mm-hmm. these two separate mm-hmm. stories that are in themselves or their own independent arc. But then when you put the two of them together, they form their own arc, which is essentially a mirror reflection of one another. Right. And this is orchestrated throughout various like plot points and devices and recurring mm-hmm. themes throughout mm-hmm. the movie. This is like an old, old mythological storytelling structure going back to like the Iliad, like that George Lucas. It 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 seems apparent like that George Lucas was trying to work this into the screen. And I think if they're going to use this going forward, that we're going to get another six movies. And five that, more now. <clears throat> five more now at this point. <clears throat> and that it's going to tell the story of how, like, it's it's going to tell, if, if they do this, it's going to tell the story of how, like, Ray falls to the dark side and then maybe the First Order takes over. And then another six movie, another three movies come out and some, and then... Someone pertaining to her becomes the one who then involves her finding her redemption and then sort oh. of restoring because this is this is the sort of mirrored reflection of what happened in the first six movies. Right. I could totally see them doing this like okay. and making and then that becomes the complete story and you keep involving the same characters from before and they just go into more like ancillary roles. While yeah. the new while the new figures come forward and take the similar kind of roles, like obviously like Ray is Ray is both in many respects is both Luke and Anakin right now. But in more in, but if if you're going with that long view of six movies, then like Ray is Anakin. 
Okay. Not Luke. That, but that's okay. again assuming that they're going to do. This six. is this is assuming a lot, right? But I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're you know extrapolating mm-hmm. fucking predictions right now, I can say whatever I want. That's yeah. true. Yeah, and yeah I, of course. Um, and so I could just, I could totally see them. I could totally see them doing that. I d- and then maybe I don't know who becomes the person that then I don't know who then becomes the person that sort of brings Ray back that like redeems well, Ray. And this just like is a constant. It feeds on itself, kind of thing, where mm-hmm. they could just go indefinitely and 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 just duplicate the story, and then mirror the story, and then duplicate the story, and then mirror the story, and then it just mm-hmm. becomes this giant headache where you and I are seventy, and, <laughs> We're and, still and, fucking, about Star Wars. and and episode thirty-seven <laughs> is out oh, in God. a row, <laughs> in a row, exactly, exactly. <laughs> little Kevin Smith, if you ever hear this, that's a little oh. shout out to you. Thirty, it was thirty-six. By the way, it was thirty-six dicks. But it was thirty-seven. It's a thirty-six. Oh, thirty-seven dicks. 37. It was thirty-seven dicks. Yeah, fantastic. In a row. In a row. My girlfriend. She's like thirty-seven dicks. In a row. In a row. Hey, come back here. It's from. Gotcha. It's from Clerk. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to yeah. suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. <laughs> hey, you get back here. <laughs> so, um, is that that's what, where I'm at. That's okay. that's that's okay. that's my prediction. And um, I'm trying to think anything else. Sort of more locally. That's kind of the mm-hmm. big picture well, thing. That's, that, and I, that's, that is big picture thinking, and I hadn't actually got that uh, grandiose in my predictions. Yeah. I don't really have a prediction. It's more like an obvious that Luke is going to play a much more prominent figure in this next, as I think Carrie Fisher will have a, a little bit going anything, on. If he says anything, he'll have a bigger... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, thank you. If he gets if one he line... a line of dialogue, If he sneezes. If like... he sneezes. No. <laughs> he clears his throat and gets, a, and gets an Oscar. <laughs> we, we hear a little Joker-esque in the Skywalker... Um, you know, uh, that's not really a prediction. It's kind of a, a dir. You know, he's playing a much more prominent role in this. Um as I think Carrie Fisher will will do a little bit, but not too terribly much. I honestly, I think that Mark Hamill obviously is going to be in the next one and then uh, in Chapter 9. And as I do believe Carrie Fisher uh, will be in the next one as well as Chapter 9, though, I hope in lesser and lesser mm-hmm. degrees. Um, I think Luke might die in the next one. Um, I, I was, and they see, could do I was, it. I was kind of leading into that because they killed Yoda in, in episode four, in episode well, and five. If they do mirror it, and then if they yeah, do this sort of he'll mirror either thing. be killed or mm-hmm. he will die because they did it with Obi Wan as well. They did it with Qui Gon as well. Mm-hmm. So it stands but, to reason that the master, you know, the 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 the, the parental figure, but this is, is a different, die. but this is a different turn of the master because right. they they've already kind of done that. If you look yeah. at like in episode one, in in, in episode one. Uh, Obi-Wan loses Qui-Gon Jinn in yeah. episode 4 Luke loses Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi in mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ep- Jedi in episode 7 now Ray loses, L- loses Han yeah. who's who's become her very mentor he's not a yeah he's not a the Jedi but he's a father mm-hmm. figure but he's the mentor it's, yeah. it's yeah. the same it's the same yeah. archetype yeah. from she the even, hero's I mean, journey even, here, are you offering me a job like right. she's so excited to get mm-hmm. to work <laughs> under this so um, uh, on that, I think um, I've heard murmurings. And so, again, this doesn't exactly fall into prediction, but I've heard murmurings that we're going to see a bit more of Harrison Ford, but in flashback. Ooh. Not okay. as a ghost, but in flashback. Okay, you know, okay. that's a ghost. You know, kind of, some uh, shit kind of, they already filmed. Kind of, well, uh, probably some things that they've already filmed, but uh, adding backstory to, really to Kylo. 
you know, <gasps> as to where he went, where he went wrong. Well, didn't didn't you weren't you telling me that like he contractually was like just said that he only wanted to do episode no, seven? No, no, and that no. Was it? Contractually, like he he walked in and he's been Harrison Ford has been wanting to kill Han Solo off since <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. He wanted him to die a martyr for the cause. Uh, in Jedi, but he wanted the the whole carbon freezing freezing process to fail. And oh, Han Solo is dead. Dies a martyr. Oh no, we're gonna bring you back because you're too popular. Well, wait a minute. When I'm setting charges at this bunker, I get caught in a blast, and uh, you kill me. What a lot of people don't know is George Lucas actually filmed death scenes for everybody <gasps> in Return of the Jedi. Luke really? was supposed to die at the hands of Vader. Uh, Leia was supposed to die at the hands of Jabba. Tricky uh, Lando was supposed to die in the battle over Endor. I mean, he shot death scenes for everybody um, primarily because of secrecy he didn't want Keep the final on ending of toes. the film to come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So everybody oh. died or one person died or somebody died. And so the rumor mill was running wild. That way you'll never know for sure you until the that film comes out. Until the film mm-hmm. comes out, which was genius. And they also renamed the um, Empire Strikes Back, uh, not Empire, when Jedi was being shot. It was, it was Revenge actually of called, the Sith. No, no. Revenge of the no, Jedi, right? No, stop. No. The original name was Revenge of the Sith, but George didn't feel that a Jedi should be seeking revenge. But when they were actually shooting, principal photography, the movie was actually called Blue Harvest. That's right. It's called Blue Harvest. Uh. So people going on set didn't know what the fuck they were seeing, but they certainly didn't think it was a movie in Star mm-hmm. Wars universe. But anyways, my production, my predictions for the upcoming films is um, still leading in with the other characters. I think Chewie's going to be a central figure. As mm-hmm. Ray understands, uh, um, um, I, I can't call it Wookiean or Kajikan or whatever. But anyways, she understands the dialect, and you can get any tall motherfucker to come in and play that role. So Peter Mayhew doesn't need to uh, play Chewbacca. And second, because Wookiees live two hundred plus years, you know they can bring his character along, and he's mm-hmm. you know he's only in his thirties mm-hmm. comparatively to everybody else. So I think Chewie's going to play a pivotal role, and. Ray's now going to be the pilot of the Millennium Falcon, obviously, of because now that ship is kind of hers. She's so, this like amalgamation now between like Luke and Han in yeah. this kind of weird way, and possibly Darth Vader, according to your yeah, circular theory. It could be. Um, she is you think all she, that. That makes is me think that character. if they, then again, if they take that sort of long view, I feel like Chewie might end up dead. Well, he did die in the mm. books. Mm-hmm. They killed him in the books. They killed him I mean, in the books. He died in the first. In the first book of the Yu Sun Vong series, mm-hmm. he fucking died. I just I feel like if they're gonna if they're gonna really build this long term for a new for a new generation, even even you have just to like, keep a character even just from a, the old. No, I just think that of I think that over the course of like these even just the course over the course of the three movies that like if they're gonna really put, prolong this into a new generation of viewers, that these original characters are all going to die. Yeah. On that note, I wanna I wanna hit on the final predictions, and then I wanna go and talk about what's upcoming here for um for our next movie. Um, the final prediction. And this is this is a question I'm gonna pose to everybody here. Who do you think Ray is? More importantly, who do you think her mommy and daddy are? Who are her parents? Because she's obviously very very talented in the force, naturally gifted. Didn't even know she had it, and all of a sudden she's flying the Falcon. Whoa! How did I do that? Kylo Ren's basically mind raping her and she goes, ah, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I can deflect that. Who do you think she is? 
Now, I don't know, man. <laughs> obviously, the, the big thing is, is everybody's going, oh, she's a Skywalker. But I, I don't think I they're going to do that No, to that's too obvious. Yeah. I don't it's think that's, that's, that was that part of us. my, like, I hope that it's not any of the, the right. obvious things. Like their cousin turned the Kylo were like, cousins yeah, or something. Would be dumb. I don't want to see that. That's, please don't do that. I know you're not listening to us, but if you are, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could you see could how, do better. I could see how they could take, like, take a nod from the expanded universe in that regard as far as like Jason and Jaina Solo. Yeah, which basically which is kind of what what Kylo Ren is is mm -hmm. an amalgamation between the twins. Right, and I could so I could see them like taking that that direction but I still Mm -hmm. feel like that's too obvious. Too obvious. There's something that we're not there's something that we're not seeing yet and that we may not see until we we may not see until the second movie and we may not even see it until the third movie. I don't think we'll see it until the third. You want to hear what my prediction is? Uh, sure. She's a Kenobi. Ooh. I've heard that one floating around. I think she's a Kenobi because, in again, in the expanded universe, which is, in this particular chunk is still uh, uh, in the canon, um, when uh, Obi Wan was just fresh out of you know being a Padawan and he just taken Anakin and he you know he had a few flights of fancy and ladies whatever anyways he had two prominent romances and i don't remember the name of either of them but one of them was very force strong as well and so they kind of had this this quiet romance a la you know uh anakin and padme and they called it off and that would make ray the great granddaughter okay i was gonna say not the direct daughter but the great granddaughter too young yeah but there's a couple generations going through there so how does that but then, but then that that begs the question: How does that tie into the rest of the genre and the stories? Because that got that's, me. That's such a because got that, me. That's, that's that's a big and that's my thing. Like that's kind of a. I mean, you could it's a do stretch. it, but that's, that's like kind of a that's like a pretty flying leap, right? Oh, it there. is. Well, it, honestly, they I would, would to prefer to see that. I would prefer to have them tell a story of how she is a Kenobi as opposed to the obvious. Oh well, she's a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Duh, and their cousins, and duh. Mm-hmm. Here's the correlation between Jason and Jaina Solo instead of brother and sister. Now their cousins finding it out, wah, wah. and you know. Uh, but there's obviously something going on there. They give you those ominous flashbacks of her. Of course. So there's there's something going on with her past that yeah. we're supposed to we're gonna get more information about. But well, what is it? They have to. You have to have to, to all build I, the story. All I know is I saw a listicle on IO9 today about fan theories of who Ray's parents are, and I read like I there was like thirty of them, and I read them, and <laughs> none of them sounded right. There you go. So I don't have a fucking clue. Like, and I I am willing to allow my belief to be suspend my disbelief to be completely suspended until the next movie comes out in that regard because. That's whoever whoever it is. It's like people's fucking jaws are gonna hit the floor. Well, see, it's gonna be fucking huge. Now that I think about I think it, everybody's gonna be wrong. And now that yeah, and everybody will be wrong. But <laughs> but thinking about it in the correlation ring theory and all of that, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't tell us who the hell Ray is or who who her parents are in the next film. And she finds out in the third film. Excuse me, in episode nine, to keep it clear. Uh, she'll find out in episode nine while holding a dying Luke. He'll tell her, well, these are your parents. Not to uh, a la Yoda dying on his deathbed, you know, talking about another Jedi. You know, boom, little tie-in, something kind of... Uh, well, I'm okay. trying to think, how did when the... Because when Luke and Leia were... Luke and Leia were born in which 
episode. The, the, they, they were born in episode, episode three. three. In the very end of episode three. Very end of episode five. But then they they played it off like she died with the babies uh, yeah. unborn. Right. So everybody right. thought that the children were dead, and then they split the kids off, and the Organas took Leia, mm-hmm. and the uh, um, um, the Larges took uh, um, Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think um. Because I think in that in that respect, like we might we might find out who her who her parentage is, but she might not. Right. And she might not find out until like if they're doing this long game, she might not find out until like episode 10 or like episode 11. Well, right? if they do do the if long they game. take this long view and and in that in that respect, um. So they don't tell her at the end because that, you know, mirroring the sense that Anakin didn't know what happened to his children. Right. And so then that would that would sort of fall very much in line with like Anakin doesn't know what happened with his children. Ray doesn't know her true heritage. Mm-hmm. And then the heritage thing becomes the redemptive factor. Right. When she yeah. finds out okay. who she actually is, where it's like when when you know vader vader finds out the truth about who who his who you know who luke is who luke is and tells him and then maybe so they flip that in reverse so maybe someone finds out who ray is and then tells ray and that becomes the thing that comes becomes the the catalyst to get the link back to get her to come back around um you know in episode 12 in 2025 yeah Um, so, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Um, I, I'm kind of torn. I'd love to see, I'd love to see seven more, uh, eight more, uh, wait, five, five, is that five (laughs) Five Five more? more. It's five more installments to make a full, uh, 12 films. Oh my God, it would be amazing. But I mean, I'm also, well, I hope they do it right. And on the note of speaking about doing it right, um, this next episode, not not Rogue One, which we're going to talk about here in just a quick second for a few minutes. Um, they pushed back the release date for episode Good. eight. They pushed it back from Good. summer of 17 to December of 17. Mm-hmm. So they've given Ryan Johnson and Kasdan a, like another two-month window to do rewrites and clean it up and polish it, make it darker, whatever they're going to do with it. They've given... They've given these people who really want to helm this properly the chance to do it right. Um, and I honestly, I think that's that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm so happy they did that. It needs They need to take their time. Otherwise, they're going to fuck it up. They do. Yeah. So on that, let's talk a little bit about Rogue One and then close the show. Allah. Okay. So, um, well, shit. Okay. I don't, I don't know fuck all about... I don't know fuck all about what's going on with Rogue One. So, well, for for anybody who's in the know, like mm, this guy right here, everybody knows that the next movie that we're gonna get in the Star Wars universe is not a part of the uh, chapters. Mm-hmm. This is uh, anthology. This is anthology. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, happening. very exciting. This is happening in the Star Wars universe. It's called Star Wars Rogue One, and it's going to take place. In a small window right before Star Wars: A New Hope, and it deals yep. primarily with the uh, the rebels, the early onset of the rebels stealing the plans for the Death Star. Mm-hmm. 
the original Death Star, the big bad of them all. Can I just say something on a really quick side yeah, note? Yeah, like please. something something that I, I, I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about like the pros and cons of episode seven. One thing I really liked about the new movie is how faithful they were to making it look like the visual aesthetic going mm-hmm. back to episodes four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Like maintaining the sort of maintaining the same visual aesthetic like mm-hmm. the millennium falcon looks the same like everything still in many respects looks it 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 looks like 1977 yeah but in 2015 you know like it obviously you know obviously it's not it's not perfect in that regard it would be impossible for right. them to do that but they did a great job with the costumes with the with the sets, with the like the color schemes, with the sat like with yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the like the way that they filmed it and like the the film choices that they use and everything, like it feels it feels like the seventies. It does movies. It does, and uh, if anybody's seen this this uh, this set photo, this early set photo of the of the new cast of Rogue One, uh, at the very center is a, a very talented and you guessed it British actress by the name of Felicity Jones. Who, if any, if anybody is seen any, if anybody's seen uh, the Theory of Everything, which won um, won her the Academy Award for Best Actress last year, if they've not seen it, they should see it because I mean she's she's brilliant, she's very talented, and yes, again, you're talking to fucking Harrison here, and I love me some British women, so yes, she's British and she's petite and a brunette, and that's um, working for me, so. Um, I know I'm really looking forward to this, but I'll tell you one reason why I'm looking even more forward to this film besides the fact that Felicity Jones is in it is because Alan fucking Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. <laughs> I am a leaf on the wind. Watch me soar, bitches. Oh my God. I could, again, watch I'm this guy so work on a darkened stage. I'm so excited to see him making a comeback because he's so funny. Well, and you know what? And that's an insult to him because he's not really ever left. He's just done niche things and fun little indie. And you obviously haven't been paying attention to his career because he never left. But uh, word is, well then, he's going to be voicing he's so um, one of the, he's going to be voicing uh, the robot, one of the main, because it this is Star Wars. There's always a robot. So he's going to be a droid? So he's going to be a droid. No shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to be a very sarcastic, a la C-3PO protocol type droid. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> a protocol droid with a mouth? Yeah, with a mouth. Like, <laughs> nice. no sensor, no filters. Not like, you know, um, Anthony Daniels had much of a, a filter, but at least he was kind of PC or PG, excuse me. He's he's terminally polite. Uh, well, yeah, he's terminally polite. Apparently, we're going to get a bit, a bit more of a crass, a ridiculous Good. kind like of sarcastic turn of a protocol droid, and it will be Alan Tudyk. Which oh, that's delightful. That's the kind of droid for. I would want in my home. Yes. So, it's like R2-D2 if he could actually, if you could understand right? him. Because you, cause you know... You know R2-D2 be talking some shit. Oh, no, well, of course he does, but all it's all the time. Beep, boop, 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 it's all... Oh, how dare you say that to me? It's like, yeah, I just told you to <laughs> shove it up your fucking yeah. backside. Right. So um, with with that, uh, I I have to say I'm, I'm really... I'm loving the idea of this. Uh, this next movie, this is... Again, it's an anthology piece. It's not po- following the chapters. Um, it's not following the chapters... Um, Rather, it's going back right before Star Wars. But sort of weaving in and out of the the existing timeline well, and, and, and giving some context to... Well, they're doing... What they're doing here, what I think they're doing here is that they're trying to broaden the universe. Mm-hmm. 
Because there's so many thousands of years that you can literally work with in the Star Wars universe. And so they're starting with something that's kind of close to home, something that we're familiar with. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're introducing us to new characters. So, um, I mean, there's a few names on here that I could mention that you guys won't know who the fuck I'm talking about, but I know. But either way, um, the cast is really lining up. They're not not B-list, but they're definitely on the burgeoning of A-list actors. I just have a question about, about Rogue One. And about getting the plans for the Death Star. Yeah. Can I get a prediction from you of exactly how many Bothans will die <laughs> in the acquisition of the plans? I definitely ballpark it. Many Bothans died <laughs> to bring us this information. Well, thank you, Mon Mothma. How, how many, many Bothans was how that many, exactly? How many Bothans are I, going I, I to die say, in Rogue One? I want to say roughly five thousand Bothans died getting this information. A tribe. A tribe. <laughs> so. <laughs> I fucking love you, dude. <laughs> so nerdy. I've been waiting for that one for two hours. <laughs> you have been. Oh, that's great. Um, on that, I think um, I think it's time. I definitely got to be out. This podcast is fucking done. We're gonna close out the show. Um, uh, just 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 a quick little shout out again here. Um, Rogue One is coming out December of 2016 at the end of this year. So you have some more Star Wars to wait for. And then we get the next Star Wars chapter installment, December of the following year. So if they follow with this, we're supposed to get a Star Wars film, either something anthology or directly uh, serialized chapter uh, every year for the next five years. We've got Rogue One, then we've got Episode uh, 8, and then we're supposed to have a Han Solo film, uh, which centers on Han Solo in his early years. Sheila Booth. Shia fuck no. Oh. Fuck no. No, fuck you. Fuck you running. Fuck you. No, no. fuck you. I want him to no. do it. No. I do not no. want Shia LaBeouf. No. 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 <laughs> After, if I have to deal with his bullshit no. lisp, I no. will punch no. that little I will, shit. No, I refuse. No, they're going to find some really good actor who's not named Shia or LaBeouf. <laughs> okay. With that, I'm looking forward to the next, I don't know, half decade of my life. You know, something to <laughs> look right. forward to at 40 would be a Boba Fett film because I've loved the Fett since, well, shit. Since the Fett ever was a thing to love. Thank you for listening to Face for Radio. Uh, in the next installment, we'll be talking about The Walking Dead. And uh, I believe also that I'm going to be talking about Hail Caesar, the new Coen Brothers vehicle, which has a collection of all of their past rogues gallery. I'm really looking forward to it. In general, look forward to having a lot of fun nerd talk. And yes, heavy centering on movies and well, just the arts, performance, TV, film, because that's my passion. That's what I do, nerdisms. Randall? Good night. Good night.